0: Hi, I'm Andy
1: Herman of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Pack-A-Day Podcast and the Blue Wire Network.
2: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. A day podcast
3: what's going on Packers fans welcome into another edition of the Saturday Pack a Day podcast I am Matt Freilich alongside me once again is my friend and partner Paul Bretl Jason Perrone has a wedding this weekend not traveling to Green Bay to come see us for a Packers uh, party at the Green Bay distillery but No worries. Jason has given us his two cents to pass along to you guys listening. And Paul and I are obviously here to hold it down with the weather reports, injury reports, and everything going on at 1265. So unfortunately, we do have some news to get into as far as injuries. But before we get into that, we start with the weather as always with the Saturday pack a day podcast. So once again, Paul, you know, I got to, I didn't really realize getting into with this with you guys that. Our man Harry is just like a staple, like he's like yes. the fourth, he's the fourth member here, so. Yes, absolutely. Our, our buddy Harry from Cam Loops Canada, forecast on Saturday is high of 79, still above average, it seems like from what he had said last week. Low of 57, which also looks like the last day of summer at next week. A lot of 64 to 65 highs with 46 to 48 lows, also down to only 12 hours of sunlight by Monday as the days become shorter than night. That's the worst part of fall for me is when it gets darker and darker and all of a sudden one day I leave work at 5, 5.30 and it's already dark out. That sucks, mm-hmm. but Gary giving us a little bit more in-depth info here and still above, above average up in Canada for him. But, you know, right now as we're recording – Paul, we got a little rain going on in Green Bay. I didn't expect that to come out of nowhere. It looks like some, it like some crappy weather when I left work. But what is, what's, what's the weather really doing uh, this time of year still?
2: Matt, I have to say, this time of the year is when I thrive. I'm thriving right now. It is sunny for the most part. The highs are, what, high 60s, low 70s. It's beautiful. It is, it is that typical fall weather that you get here in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And it looks like it's going to stay this way for at least the next week. So I'm hoping we're having this conversation a week from now. I'm still still sharing the same info, but it's beautiful up here right now.
3: It's not bad. It's not bad. And I think even just seeing you right now recording, you got your sweet Packers gear on. I think there's a ton of Packers fans that get to wear a lot of their awesome hoodies, pullovers, jackets. Windbreakers, you know, et cetera, during this time of the year and break them out. I actually wore mine today. I don't have it on right now, but, uh, one of my favorite pieces that I bought in the last year, white sideline jacket. It's, it's awesome. I love, I love to rock those. It's, it's my favorite. So good time of the year right now for us in Green Bay. So if we're looking actually at Sunday night football out in Santa Clara, right now expectation is no precipitation, which is good. High fifties. And then some high winds, maybe like 10 to 15 miles an hour is what I'm seeing right now. So that could change. Obviously, California weather, especially out there, can be kind of kind of strange. But nothing too crazy. During the day on Sunday, it's looking like it's 74, very mild temperatures, nothing too, you know. I think it's going to be a pretty solid evening to transition to a nice night game in Santa Clara for the SNF Packers v. San Francisco 49ers. So enough of the weather talk. We gotta get into what happened today. Officially, Elton Jenkins, not 100% ruled out, from questionable to doubtful, hasn't practiced all week, doesn't look good. Paul, any stretch of the imagination, we see Elton Jenkins at left tackle this week.
2: I mean, the floor didn't completely close the door. He said that they're gonna give him still the next 48 hours up until pretty much game time to see how that ankle of his is feeling, but I'm not expecting him to be out there. The you know he hasn't practiced the last three days. He's doubtful for a reason. So I'm not expecting him to be out there, and it's going to be a huge loss for the Green Bay Packers offensive line and offense in general.
3: It's awful, and I think we go from you know week one where it was a lot of blame was put on the offensive line to week two. It looked it looked pretty solid to me. I didn't think there was anything too piss poor to write home about. But then you take one of the more integral pieces out of that offensive line, one of the more versatile players the Packers have across the entire roster, and thankfully the Packers have put equity into having gentlemen on the offensive line that are very versatile. They can play multiple positions, and that's what are going to look forward to this week, right? So we'll get into that a little bit more. Also, Dominic Daphne, questionable. You know, it, it, the the silver lining with that is – it's a hip injury. We'll see what we can get from him, but Josiah DeGuara is coming back. He was a full participant on Friday. Tyler Lancaster, Mercedes Lewis, Vernon Scott, and Eric Stokes, all full participants, along with Josh Myers, Darnell Savage, and Chandon Sullivan, and Rayshon Gary to round it out. So looking, like you said in pre-production here, very healthy for the Packers coming into it. Nothing of too much concern. And, bes- I mean, obviously Elton Jenkins sucks. You corrected me earlier. Thankfully, Zedaria Smith is still on IR. Um, obviously, so is David Bakhtiari. So we'll see. You know, Those are two big pieces on either side of the ball that they're still going to be losing, and to go in with Elton Jenkins being banged up, it really, really sucks. But before we get into the Niners' injuries, what does the offensive line look like this week? I think it's – I feel like it's pretty obvious for what the you know left or right should be, but what are your expectations going in if Elton Jenkins doesn't play? I'll answer my own question I asked you. I don't think Elton Jenkins plays. I think it would be – I don't think it'd be a good idea at all. He would be like a wounded duck out there. I don't think it's going to work. I think you just give him the the rest and don't worry about it. But what does your left tackle to right tackle look like, Paul, going up against a really, really good defense
2: from the Niners? In terms of taking Elton Jenkins' place, there's two options, I guess, if you wanted to deep dive, but there's really only one. It's going to be Billy Turner at left tackle. He has over 400 snaps there over his career. I think about 360 of them came just last year alone and started in the NFC championship game. The other option is could be if you want to keep Billy Turner at right tackle, you could start Josh Nyman, but he has 15 career snaps. Putting him out there for his first career NFL start against the San Francisco 49ers pass rush does not seem like the prudent move. So my expectation is that Billy Turner will be the left tackle. Dennis Kelly will take over at right tackle. He is, I mean, he's this year's Rick Wagner They signed Rick Wagner last year to come off the bench to fill in where injuries were needed at that tackle position. I I expect that to be Dennis Kelly's role. He was the starting left tackle all last year for the Tennessee Titans on their offensive line, and we know how potent their running game was. Held up well in pass protection, too. So that's my expectation for who the tackles are going to be. And then at center, Josh Myers, at right guard, Royce Newman, just as it has been. At left guard, the Matt LaFleur has a decision to make because, as we all know, Lucas Patrick started week one, entered concussion protocol last week, and even though he did suit up and was active, he was on the bench. John Runyon got to start at left guard, and he, he held his own there. So there's a decision to be made for Matt LaFleur. For me, if I'm sitting here guessing, I would guess that they stick with John Runyon, go with the continuity, go with the hot hand. But if Lucas Patrick's in there as well, it, you know, I'm not going to be surprised whatsoever. But if you look at that offensive line, you go Billy Turner, John Running, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, Dennis Kelly, you're like, I mean, even considering that you're without Elton Jenkins, you're without David Bakhtiari, that's still a, you know, overall a solid, or can be, I should say, can be a solid offensive line unit. The fear, however, is who they're going up against. Even if Elton Jenkins was 100% healthy, I was still absolutely worried about this 49ers pass rush. Specifically, their edge rushers: Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, D. Ford. The 49ers have 52 pressures this year Pro Football Focus numbers, third most in football. We've seen what happens to this in, against the 49ers, but in general, we've seen what happens when the Green Bay Packers offense uh, gets one-dimensional when they have to throw the ball. And if that's what happens this week, they're going to be in trouble, man. It is. It's going to be. It's going to be rough for this offensive line if the Packers have to get one-dimensional. I hope that they can hold up. And one way to mitigate that pass rush, or a couple ways I should say, is having more tight ends on the field, more 12 personnel, more 22 personnel, two tight ends, having Tunyon in, having Lewis in to chip, Josiah DeGora. Establishing the run as well. Obviously, if you're running the ball, you don't got to worry about a pass rush. It also allows the offensive line to be the aggressor. You know, if you're an offensive lineman on a running play, you're trying to move someone. You're trying to move someone downfield, whereas in pass protection, you, sitting back is, you know, that's too casual of a word, but that's kind of what You're you're staying in place. So you can be the aggressor. We see how how more effective this offense is when they establish the run, rely on Aaron Jones. So those are a few ways that they can mitigate the pass rush, but ultimately it's gonna come down to how they handle those edge rushers and even with if Elton Jenkins did play, it was a tall task, but it, it looks even, uh, more difficult now than, than that it looks like they're going to be without him.
3: For sure. And it's, it's really sucks because you go into a game and you look at, you know, even a healthy Packers team or even a healthy line, or Niners team. And you, frankly, I think that's one of the, the Niners strengths is that, that interior pressure, that exterior pressure that they can have. You said third in the NFL right now with pressures. Nick Bosa is coming off a two sack game. It's, you don't want to see, uh, you, not only are you missing your primary left tackle, but also your backup left tackle who can play multiple positions. He's out too, and I think it just only exemplifies what the Niners do really, really well. I, I love what you're saying too is about the tight ends. I think it's fantastic to have that, you know, the luxury that the Packers have potentially with Daphne out there as well, having four guys. If it's only three, that's fine, but I imagine there's going to be a lot of the 22 personnel, 21 personnel to be able to block these guys. And you know, I I kind of went into earlier in the week, Paul, thinking that maybe. Maybe the pass game, but more of like the quick passes, screen plays, moving the pocket a little bit. You think more of the the run game, which I don't totally disagree with. Do you think the run game is the way for them to win this game, or are they able to maybe get some of those quick throws out or move the pocket a little bit to take some shots here and there? Is that not even really an option, the passing game?
2: No, that'll absolutely be a part of it, because they're not going to just be able to run the ball. They're going to have to pass it as well. You have Aaron Rodgers, you know, (laughs) Might, might as well use them and the quick passes are going to work. Where I was talking about the run game is, I mean, we saw week one to week two, what this Green Bay Packers offense looks like when they lean on the run versus when they don't and just the difference. And granted, the, you know, the Lions are less talented than what the New Orleans Saints are, but that recipe that happened in New, against New Orleans, we've seen that before when they get away from the run. So to avoid becoming one dimensional, and also, like I said initially, if you're running the ball and finding success, you ain't gotta worry about the pass rush if you're, you know, on those running plays because it's a running play. So that's where I was going with that. They're still gonna to have to, uh, find ways to be successful with the passing game. Getting the ball out of Rogers' hands quickly is gonna be a big part of that as well.
3: So Packers down Elton Jenkins for week three out in San Francisco. Uh, Dominic Daphne, still questionable, but relatively still healthy based off of anyone that's neo, not on the IR named David Bakhtiari or Zedarius Smith. So let's move to the San Francisco 49ers. They came into this week with a ton of injuries, got a little bit healthier as the week went on, but still some big question marks for me. Uh the one that was really surprising today was a full participant was Trey Sermon, rookie running back out of Ohio State. Haven't seen much from him this year with the concussion, but he might be able to at least get some playing time there. They've been an absolute just debacle with their running back room. Although history would tell me that Kyle Shanahan can really have anyone run the football for him, just like his dad was able to do out in Denver. Mm -hmm. I also look towards, you know, some two guys right now that are still... Questionable. It's Eric Armstead who you previously mentioned, and Javon Kinlaw. Those guys, I feel like, are big factors. More Eric Armstead because he is just such a big body and a massive human to move around. If those guys don't play, I feel like it gives it kind of evens the scale a little bit as far as you know Elton Jenkins being out. Outside of that, too, we look at uh, Kevin Givens' out D tackle. Jamichael Hasty had a touchdown week one, didn't really play all much in week two, still nursing that injury of the ankle. And then Elijah Mitchell, another running back that is still doubtful for the Niners, as I previously mentioned. In Emmanuel Mosey, questionable, limited practice with a knee. Uh, we did see Josh Norman, who was actually on the injury reporter in the week, going to full participation. Everyone else, It looks like they're trending forward, that being Fred Warner, Trent Williams, Jimmy Ward, all should be fully playing after not taking any snaps or any practice snaps on Wednesday. More than likely a veteran rest day for Jimmy Ward, Warner, and Williams, all staples within that Niners team. Paul, if Eric Armstead can't go, how like is do you think that's as much of a factor? Like, is it really going to contribute that much to the game? Or with like the guys you mentioned already, the Bosses, the D Fords, is it is it all that big of a deal to lose a guy like Eric Armstead to for the Packers to have to block?
2: Before I answer that, I just wanted to take a step back because I want to mention one other thing in regards to the the run game. Because mm-hmm. when we talk about establishing the run for the Green Bay Packers or just being successful in the run. I think a lot of us think about, you know, those 6, 7, 10-yard, those chunk plays. But Monday's game against Detroit was a prime example of how you don't have to, you know, rip off these big runs for the run game to be successful. I think Green Bay's longest rush was nine yards. If you take the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, out of the equation uh, – that Packers running backs only average 3.9 yards per carry. That's obviously not this exorbitant amount by any means or this dominating amount, but that puts them in second and six, which is an advantageous place if you're an offensive coordinator, if you're Matt LaFleur making the play calls. Um, so you just, when I say establish a run, it just, you want the defense to at least believe that you're going to run because even if you're not successful, you know, they're still successful, but even if you're not ripping off those chunk plays, but the defense thinks that you're going to run, the safety is going to creep up. That's going to dictate how they play. So the Green Bay doesn't have to necessarily, we want them to, but they don't need to average six, seven, eight yards of carry for it to be, all right, they've established a run. They're doing this successfully, especially against this Niners front. If they can average four, four and a half yards per carry, nothing, you know, nothing eye popping by any means. But at least make San Francisco respect the idea that you're going to run the ball because that's what will dictate the defense. So I just wanted to, to clarify that point. To the question about Eric Armstead, he has 15 pressures this season. It's the second most among edge rushers in football. He would be a huge loss for this uh, 49ers pass rush for this defensive front. But as I said, they're so, they're so deep there with Silbosa and d Ford. There's obviously no replacing him, but this this pass rush is still, especially in the shape that the Green Bay Packers offensive line is potentially going to be in, with Elton Jenkins out, it's uh, I mean it's still a, a unit to be concerned about.
3: Yeah, no doubt. And I think uh, I like what you're saying about the run game for the Packers, especially like you're not going to break off those huge plays. Granted, Aaron Jones did have four touchdowns in that game, but it was a really a lot of a ground and pound from them. So I, I think they're going to rely on the run, like you mentioned, set up the pass, hopefully get the get the uh pocket moving a little bit for Aaron Rodgers, make him use his legs a little bit. I know he kind of joked on Monday's uh press conference after the game just about how he was envious a little bit of Jared Goff having those RPOs out there still being called for him and he wishes he could still get some of those those plays for himself. So I think if I think that's a big thing if Armstead can't go, I think it you kind of sold me on it even a little bit more than I was thinking going into this recording. I think it's a it's a big thing for them. Let's look at the running backs a little bit for the Niners. I don't want to focus too much on this, but do you do, does it matter to you at all if Elijah Mitchell goes, uh, how Trey Sermon is coming off the concussion or is it like kind of I already kind of alluded to that it, it doesn't really matter who they have? I think is it who's the guy Jock Patrick, someone like that? Like does it doesn't even matter <laughs> if they plug him in there? Can he still run the ball in this Kyle Shanahan offense when he's great offensive line in front of him? Kyle Yusech? You know, George Kittle, That these guys can block and put their hands in the dirt. Like, does it even matter?
2: <laughs> I, I I mean, I think the correct answer here is yes. But until I'm proven otherwise against with Kyle Shanahan, this Niners offense against the Green Bay Packers, I'm still expecting who's ever in, in that backfield to find success against this Green Bay Packers defensive front. I mean, we've seen the interior outside of Kenny Clark really struggle these first two weeks. Kingsley Kiki, Tyler Lancaster, I mean, goodness. At this point, why not? T.J. Slayton, he had 16 snaps with the, against the Saints six a week ago. Jack Heflin hasn't suited up. I'm by no means sitting here. These are, so, these are the solutions, and this unit's going to turn around. But at this point, my question is, why not? I mean, why not? Let's just see what they can do. But uh, Elijah Mitchell, he's out. He's the leading uh, uh, rusher for the San Francisco 49ers this season. Jamichael Hasty, he's second. I think he only has like six or seven carries, but he's second on the team in carries. He's out too. So it looks like Trey Sermon is going to be the guy. But like I said, and to answer your question, I mean, until I see otherwise from this Packers defensive front against Kyle Shanahan, I mean, I still expect them to be, you know, find some success doing so. And the Niners are going to, you know, ground and pound. That's what they do. Jimmy Garoppolo, I saw this one stat, this Niners only pass 45, 46% of the time this year. That ranks 30th in the NFL. They're a heavy running team and when they do pass the ball, the ball's out quickly. So this, this Packers pass rush in general, they're already going to have a difficult time getting to Garoppolo. So it's going to, they're going to have to find a way to, to stop the run game. And, you know, maybe that's playing the linebackers up closer because that's what the Niners are going to rely on. We also know that's a weak point in this Green Bay Packers defense. Yeah, and you
3: you mentioned Jack Heflin and uh, TJ Slayton. Like, it's kind of the same conversation we had from week one going into week two. Like, with Eric Stokes, like, give the guy a shot, right? Like, it yeah, can't be not. any worse than what we've <laughs> seen. Like, give the guy, give those guys an opportunity. You know, Dean Lowry, Kiki, they just, they just haven't looked all that great. No one's been able to stop the run at all. And there's many, many games, uh, two that I can think of that, The Niners have just ran the frickin' ball down the throat of the Packers. I was at one of them. I think it was C.J. Bethard, Monday night maybe, Thursday night football, and they just ran the Mm -hmm. snot out of the ball, and it was a slobber knocker the whole entire time. I don't remember. I think Raheem Mostert maybe was his coming out party, but overall they were just able to pound the rock against the Green Bay Packers, and I don't see how that changes what we've seen in the first two weeks of the Packers, what we know of Kyle Shanahan's offense, what he likes to do with the ball, I am a little bit surprised, you know, looking back at last week, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was banged up in week one versus the Lions. And then in week two versus the Eagles, he throws for 30, 30 attempts. And I, I don't remember the last time Jimmy Garoppolo played the Packers. I want to say it was like 14 attempts he had something in that game. Do we, do we, we imagine Jimmy Garoppolo to have to lose this game essentially, right? Like he, if, if they Packers, I'll kind of, I guess let the cat out of the bag. If somehow the Packers are to win this game, it's gonna be after basically Jimmy Bro Jimmy, Jimmy screwing up, right? Them trying to have to rely on him throwing the ball, or is there another path to a victory for the Green Bay Packers in uh week three?
2: <laughs> I mean I think that's it, right? Like basically the Packers offense just has to give the defense a lead to play with and to where until where it gets to the point where the Niners say all right, we just got to start passing the ball a little more. We're running out of time. And, yeah, put the ball in Jimmy's hands. But can the defense – I mean, that's – I mean, we just sat here and talked about how we're concerned about the Niners' pass rush against the Packers' offensive line. But can this Joe Berry defense, you know, stop this Kyle Shanahan offense? Based on what we've seen so far, and even in the past, the Mike Pettin defense, they haven't been able to. So it's one of those things where, you know, until proven otherwise, I'm going to expect it to be some tough sledding for this defensive side of the ball against – Kyle Shanahan, so it's going to, it's a short week, we'll get into this later, but it's just going to be an all-around tough matchup, and we're sitting here talking about the pass rush, we're sitting here talking about the Niners running into our line heavily, there's also Debo Samuel, lines up out wide in the slot in the backfield, he's the NFL's leading receiver this year. I didn't realize this till this week when I was doing some research, but Debo had 189 receiving yards against Detroit week one, 189, and then uh, he cooled off last week, though, don't worry, we only had 93, uh, and then there's George Kittle. We all know that Packers' history against tight ends, even in George Kittle himself, has wrecked this defense. So, I mean, we've talked about the pass rush the running backs, but then there's those two to worry about as well. It's it's going
1: to be a challenging one for Green Bay, to say the least. Packers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Personally, I can't wait for that first game back at Lambeau Field, Packers-Lions with fans in the stands again. I've already got my tickets from TickPick, and I'll be there watching Monday Night Football in person. I absolutely cannot wait. Visit TickPick.com slash Packaday today and use promo code Packaday to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. That use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a seventy five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash blue wire. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Hundred percent. Like To be honest, like, Kittle hasn't really gotten going yet. I think he's got four catches in each game. Like, he hasn't even gotten started yet. And we talked about this last week. Like, the Packers to beat the Lions are going to have to slow down the passing game of, I guess it was DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams and specifically TJ Hawkinson. And that really didn't happen. And they were even able to still force feed the ball from time to time from Quintus Cephas. But it, It's a tough spot, man, because here's the thing. If you, if you, if you really want to get X's and O's about it, I'm no expert, but if you're, if you're trying to stop the run and you're bringing a safety down the box, it's really, really tough to stop a guy like Debo Samuel, big physical guy, if you get the ball out to him quick, or George Kittle. Like George Kittle is an absolute matchup nightmare. He's one of those three tight ends in this league that are impossible to, to, to basically game plan for because you put a linebacker on him, guy's too, guy's too slow, you put a, you know, a safety on him. George is too physical at the point of you know the break, and he's able to basically do whatever he wants on the field so i i'm concerned and i it's debo the fact that he's the leading receiver is hilarious right now, I know most of it is you know helped by that hundred and eighty nine yards he had week one, but i still you know it, that'll be a fun matchup to see because I don't see anyone else really having going to affect the passing game that Jair's going to have to cover. I think it's going to be him mostly on Debo. If somehow they are lining him up over George Kittle, I don't even think that's a possibility in the Joe Barry defense. Maybe it is. Maybe it's that that wrinkle there. But that's going to be a tough matchup too. And I just, you know, I think I've said it a little bit more. Clearly you're kind of alluding to it. Like I don't see how the Packers win this game. Do you have a, um, are there any other matchups you're looking at or anything that's specific that you think the Packers have a path of success?
2: As far as success, because, you know, let's, let's try to do, talk about that a little bit. If the Green Bay Packers offensive line can give Rogers some time, I think that he can, and the receivers, of course, Devontae. I think that they can take advantage of the, uh, 49ers cornerbacks. Jason Verrett, he's, uh, out for the season. They're relying on, um a fifth round rookie. He's played the most defensive snaps for the Niners this season so far. And I'm not gonna try his first name, but his last name is Lenore. Um, and he's been a pleasant surprise. Don't get me wrong, he's he's been solid these two games, but he's still a fifth-round rookie going up against Aaron Rodgers, Devonte Adams, Lazard, MBS. and then there's Josh Norman, who I think we can all agree on, he's not the Josh Norman that he used to be. So, if this offensive line can give Aaron Rodgers time, I think that there absolutely is the the potential for them to to take advantage of um that cornerback room. Also, the 49ers they are allowing five yards per rush. This season, now, I will add the caveat that that number might be a little bit inflated because Jalen Hurts, Eagles quarterback, I think he ran for like 80 yards last week. But running backs have been able to find a little bit of success against them. So, like I said, they're going to have to rely, you know, establish the run, as we talked about, as you said as well. They're going to have to rely on quick passes because they can't sit back there and assume that they're going to let be able to allow these long developing plays to unfold. One other thing on the defensive side of the ball, I'm curious to see if the to see is is Kevin King really going to see more action in the slot? Because interviews this week with Joe Barry and Jerry Gray made it certainly seem that that was going to happen. And looking back on last week, you know, reading articles and stuff from those much smarter than I, I can see why they wanted to experiment when it's TJ Hawkinson, is Cephas, you know, a tight end and a big physical receiver. Where you could say, all right, let's see, you know, Kevin King can match up on them, but still, that's just not. He doesn't have the speed, doesn't have the hip, you know, hip fluidity. He doesn't tackle. Like part of playing the slot, I know it's a cornerback, but part of playing the slot is you've got to be a reliable tackler. That comes. That's just the nature of playing inside. He is not. And maybe it's gamesmanship. Maybe they're just really trying to find some way to get him on the field that they're going to continue to experiment with it. But for my position, and I think a lot of people agree, I just don't see how Kevin King playing in the slot makes any sense whatsoever based on what he's shown us. So I'll just be curious to see if he ends up in there, ends up back inside this week. And if he does, you can bet yourself that Kyle is going to put Debo Samuel in there. And that's just not going to end well for the Green Bay Packers.
3: As he should. I mean, he really should, or at least even run the ball towards him at that point, you know, audible down or do something where you can get into a set where you can at least get it where uh you got to got like Kyle Juszczyk running downhill at Kevin King. And I agree with you a ton. Like in my, my preference for a slot receiver, or excuse me, a slot cornerback is extremely versatile, obviously hip fluidity, which Kevin King basically has none. And has showed us that even more so in 2021 reliable tackler, you have to be able to come off the edge, you know, take on running backs, take on tight ends, you know, get down the flats, and that's not Kevin King's game. And maybe it is like it was an experimental game in week two that they wanted to see if they could do that. And, or uh, Not a bad opportunity. they not a bad team to go up against um, to let either Eric Stotes and or Kevin King try themselves out at those spots. But at the end of the day, like I think a lot of us – um you know, Packers Twitter, Packers bloggers, had talked about in this offseason, who is that slot guy? Who is that star position for Joe Barry? And it still seems a little bit cloudy, even though I felt like there was dudes that were able to fill that spot, but a lot of that had to, you know, a lot of it seemed like it was going to have to be Jair there, or Chandon Sullivan there. It had to be maybe a safety down the box, too. that it was gonna, It's just like nothing came to fruition, but I I can guarantee you in all those you know, half-baked ideas I had. Kevin King was never one of those dudes to pay <laughs> no. the slide, ever. Like, it was never a, a foregone conclusion he was going to do that.
2: Let me know if this comparison makes sense to you. Okay. So, in training camp, we saw uh linebacker, inside linebacker, Kamal Martin, move to edge rusher. That should have been our signal. Something's not right here because not long after that, he was cut. Last year, and – the, this might not translate as well, but the Green Bay Packers did the same thing with Oren Burks. They moved him to edge rusher. I know he's linebacker three right now, uh, but they moved him to edge rusher. Both of those moves were kind of like, in my opinion, we got to let's just do something. Let's see if we can find something for him to way just something way for him to contribute to get onto the field. Is moving Kevin King to the slot is that kind of? Do you see that as being a similar comparison? Because that's what I see it as. It's all right we admit it we know who he is on the outside let's let's just see if we can find something a role for him in this defense
3: i like that i think it's not too bad could you make the same thing with like josh jackson i know they i mean they tried him in multiple positions right and mm-hmm. nothing ever worked out like it wasn't i never felt strongly about him when they had him at safety at one point on the edge and the slot like nothing ever seemed like it was Worked and they tried him multiple positions. I don't think it's that crazy of a thought. I mean, the fact they're not going to cut Kevin King in the middle of the year—that no. would be absolutely lunatic.
2: Like, they would just be—I've I've talked about that. I've written about that. I said, regardless of, we all want Eric Stokes more, and the day is going to come when Eric Stokes outsnaps Kevin King. But Kevin King is 100% going to be a part of this defense this season. Yeah. Whether you whether anyone out there likes it or not, it's just what capacity is it going to be you know, 20 snaps in the slot like we saw against Detroit? Is it going to be 15 snaps on the boundary? Is it going to be, you know, 30 for him, 40 for Stokes? It's just what capacity is he going to be a part of this defense, but he's absolutely going to be a part of it.
3: For sure, Ed. You know, so we're looking here, Paul, we got another injury the Packers are dealing with this this week. We go from Z'Darrius Smith on IR to Elton Jenkins now being more than likely out for this game with the ankle injury. I'm going to start with Jason's prediction here uh jason texted you and i and said give me the niners by at least 14 could be the usual out there if no jenkins and that was before jenkins was put down at doubtful Even even before that he added a woof in it so i can't even imagine <laughs> what his uh his uh expression would be you know added with that at this point i think niners by 14 seems like a lot to me I predicted earlier in the week a little bit closer score. I think the Niners do win this game, unfortunately. I just don't like the matchup when we haven't been able to stop the run. Debo Samuel, George Kittle, I don't really think who it matters is that running back because you got a really good offensive line and Kyle Yuschek to be able to, you know, to be honest, just make a lot of holes for whoever that running back is. The Packers haven't looked all that great on the offensive line. They had one good week, one bad week. Now they lose their stud dude. I think if they can establish the run, they got a better opportunity. But right now, I have the Packers losing to the 49ers. Uh, Niners 27, Packers 24. I haven't even looked at the the line on this game at all. So I'm going to have to reference that a little bit here. I probably should have done that before recorded. But, uh, so right now it's, uh, Jason's got it by two scores. I have it by a, a field goal. Niners winning both games. What is, uh, what is your prediction for the Sunday night football game?
2: Well, I think the listeners all know where I stand on this one. And even before we get into the matchups, which we've already discussed, it's a short week. It's on the road, and they're traveling to the West Coast where they have not been good whatsoever. For whatever the reason is, I have no clue. I don't think anyone does. But under Matt Lafleur, there were the two 49ers games in 2019. There was a Los Angeles Chargers game that same year as well. For whatever reason, going to the West Coast does not bode well. So before we even get into the matchup part, There's already that going against the Green Bay Packers. But no Elton Jenkins, or we presume at this point, no Elton Jenkins against that pass rush. Uh, 49ers are going to run the ball. We know that's a weak point in the Green Bay Packers on the interior defensive line. George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and just Kyle Shanahan Shanahan in general against this Joe Barry defense, which is only in week three in its infancy. Uh, That's just not a recipe for a win for the Green Bay Packers. So, I got it 34-24. I will say this though, my hope, and like I said, I predicted them to lose. That's obviously my expectation at this point. But I'm a, but it's how they play the game. If they go in and lose, if they go in and lose, Matt, by your score 27-24, I am fine with that for everything that we mentioned, going on the road, struggles on the West Coast, new defense versus play caller like Shanahan, Noel and Jenkins, all that stuff, but fight. Put up a fight. If this turns into another game that we've seen, the two other times they've been out in San Francisco outside of last year, which, I mean, that doesn't count. They were It was the Niners-JV squad basically because of injuries. But those 2019 games, or the Los Angeles Chargers game, the Saints game week one, the Tampa game last year, if it turns into one of those, man, am I going to be disappointed. If they lose, but they fight, they play well, the Niners are just a better team, it's a short week, I get it. You run into better teams. That happens. But don't go out there with, as they say, no energy. Don't go out there and get your butt kicked. Bring the energy. Bring the intensity. Do everything you can to try to win.
3: And I think as, as history would show, when the Packers lose, they lose big, right? We referenced that in your article from last mm-hmm. week. We were talking about the last week's uh, Pack-A-Day episode. So, Honestly, it's, you know, normally when they're losing, it's a two score game. So I would be a little bit off history there. Maybe they'll break that trend. You and Jason are a little bit closer to that, which I totally appreciate and respect because I think that's, that's what would show you, especially going out west and the way they've handled those, those games short week, like you're mentioning. It's just, it's a bad situation for the Packers. So I haven't talked to a lot of people that are optimistic about this game. It sounds like you, Jason, and I are all in the same boat again. So. Unfortunately, that's what we're dealing with here. Um, Just bring Sunday the night intensity football, though. Bring the well, intensity. Please. Gotta bring the intensity. Cause that's, I mean, that's, that's where it's going to be established. And I think it really comes down to that defense establishing that too. And, and that front seven, you're going to be without Z. They really got no pressure this last week and they're going up against a better offensive line in the uh, San Francisco 49ers. So we'll see what will happen. But. Stick with us throughout the rest of the build-up to Sunday Night Football. Obviously, we'll have tomorrow's episode to get you ready for Sunday Night Football, so make sure you listen to that. Um, you can find me on Twitter still, at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Jason Prone, who is at a wedding today, I'm assuming having a ton of fun. He is in Minnesota. He gave us the weather report as well there. Uh, let me get to that quickly for him, because he'd be very upset. 60s in Minnesota, he said, but when he lived in Arizona, 95 and cloudy. So he's excited to probably get back and enjoy that Arizona weather. Um, but you can also find him on Twitter at Jason Perone. That's at Jason P E R O N E Paul, where can everyone find you and all the content you're putting out around the green and gold?
2: Uh, find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettle. It's B R E T L. And you can find work at Darlin' express as well as Cheats at TV.
3: Excellent. And follow everyone podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Facebook, and also subscribe on Spotify on the YouTube channel as well that Andy's putting out the videos, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your own podcast. But for Jason Prone, Paul Bretto, I'm Matt Fralick. you guys be safe. Enjoy the lead up to the Sunday night football game. You know, mixing a water every now and then before that <laughs> seven twenty kickoff. But hopefully we have a W going out two and one coming into week four. But we will talk to you guys soon. Take care and go Petco.